0: This is an AMI podcast.
1: Welcome to the Triple Vision podcast, your window into the past, present and future of blindness in
0: Canada. This podcast has been made possible by a generous contribution from T-Base Communications and the support of the Alliance for Equality of Blind Canadians. The mission of Triple Vision is to gather and document previously untold Canadian blindness narratives, one lived experience at a time, and to make our history accessible and universally known.
2: Hello and welcome to Triple Vision. We are continuing our exploration of the employment for blind Canadians. And Peter and Hannah, you have a couple of interesting interviews for us talking about some new concepts.
1: So our first guest is going to be Jen Ferris, and she's going to talk to us a little bit about a different look at attaining employment. And it's kind of, to me, it kind of reminds me of the gig economy uh, approach to employment. So we'll talk to Jen about that, and Peter's going to tell you a little bit about our other guest.
3: Yeah, so both Jen and Wayne are kind of talking about the gig economy, so We wanted to take a look at employment programs because my sense is that there's never really been an evaluation of employment programs to see if they actually work for people who are blind, visually impaired, or even people with disabilities in general. So we we brought on a couple of guests, as uh, Hannah said, Jen Ferris and Wayne Henschel. Jen has an idea for a program. It's not a program that's off the ground yet. And Wayne is managing a program called Come to Work at CNIB. So uh, let's listen to what they have to say today. Welcome to Triple Vision, Jen. I know you quite well, Jen, from uh, our days in Ottawa. Can you just introduce yourself to the audience?
0: Yes, you and I know each other from your days out here in Ottawa. I'm still living out here in Ottawa. I moved here in 2010. Uh, Victoria, British Columbia was my home for 20 years. I am Uh, completely blind. And I was born blind. I was born in um, India in a southern village in rural India to a really highly impoverished uh, mother who couldn't really take care of me in the way that she knew I needed to be. So when I was about the age of three, I was abandoned on the streets at a bus stop um, in India. And a police officer found me and took me to an orphanage in India, in Tamil Nadu. Uh, The orphanage is called Families for Children. And from there, I was adopted into Canada by two parents a couple who already had five children at home. So I started very young like when I was 12 years old I started babysitting other people's children and started earning my own money and building my confidence with with raising children and just um building yeah friendships and building my skills. That's what it was really about. So that's really how I got my start and it was because my parents just believed that I should be. They had that expectation that I should be working. There's no free rides in this mm-hmm. world and they made sure that I knew that. I was really envious of my schoolmates, my peers, because a lot of them did have after school jobs in grocery store tellers uh, as grocery store like cashiers or working at the fast food joints like McDonald's or Dairy Queen, whatever. And I was envious because I didn't have those kinds of opportunities that they did. There was no, nothing available out there for me to develop my skills and build new skills. And, and now I am working for the federal government. Still, my title is <laughs> a Canada free agent, which probably doesn't mean a whole lot to people. But what it allows me, it's part of the internal mobile workforce. So it's a gig work and we work on modernization projects around the federal government.
3: It sounds like the topic of employment is near and dear to your heart then.
0: Employment is very, very, very close to my heart. I think that there is no greater element in a blind person's life than I think employment because it opens up opportunities, it instills pride, it enables confidence and autonomy and independence and that latitude to make your own choices.
3: Today, we wanted to focus on employment programs. I don't know if you've been part of employment programs in the past, but I have prior to getting full-time work. And you know the sort of traditional traditional ones where you know we'll teach you um, how to do a resume, we'll you know give you interview techniques and skills and practice, and we'll send you out to a few employers, and hopefully you get a job. That never worked for me, uh, and I really haven't <laughs> found <the>
0: club. <laughs> exactly. I haven't
3: found anybody that that has worked for
0: exactly. Um, yeah.
3: But you have a, an idea about a different kind of program. Can you tell us about that?
0: So I was inspired by Deloitte. Deloitte had a mobile talent program. I was also inspired by the Canada Free Agent Program, which is this mobile talent program, talent mobility program. And I thought, what if we can develop a program for people who are vision impaired and blind, where they would be able to work on projects while they're in school or uh, or perhaps not like uh, unemployed but uh, or even underemployed and want to transition and so i came up with an idea where it's called talent launch consulting and It's a program that I want to. What I was wanting to do was to um, go to established companies and ask them for projects and pieces of work. And they would, the companies would give a project to Talent Launch Consulting. And Talent Launch Consulting would have blind and vision impaired interns, either working full time or part time, whatever is their preference, to work on these projects and gain valuable employment skills whether it's in administration, whether it's in project management, maybe it's in marketing, maybe it's in planning, or maybe it's writing case studies or researching a market. This kind of thing, whatever the company project offered the the company's project offered to Talent Launch Consulting it would be the role of the administrators in that in the Talent Launch Consulting group to support blind and vision impaired people to work on these projects and develop the skills To be able to have this hands-on experience, they're gaining skills because they're working for real companies, they're delivering real, meaningful projects to these companies, they're making a difference, and they can add these various projects onto their resume. Yeah, so you're
3: matching work. So you're you're finding people who have skills, people within the vision impaired blind community who have skills, and you're bringing them into um, the consulting firm, and then you're obtaining work from companies out there that have work, and you're kind of matching that up, right? By sort of matching this up, you're providing me with employment opportunities, and and um, and that would be the idea.
0: Yes, okay. yes, yes. That would be the that's okay. the idea. That's not in that's not established. That's no. not it's not an established yep. program. It's just an idea. They would come to Talent Launch Consulting, get mentored up by people who have expertise in those skills who are blind and vision impaired so that they can best advise another intern how to approach a project, how to tackle the technology that's involved in that project.
3: What makes this different from the way employment programs have operated in the past?
0: Well, I think what makes it unique is that it's well-established, legitimate companies requiring work to be done in their projects. And and it, it's meaningful work. It's not just a tokenist tokenism work, and they need people to do it. So what's different is that it's allowing people who are blind and vision impaired to give back to the community of blind and vision impaired individuals who need legitimate work, who need to obtain skills so that they can put it into their portfolio, their CVs, to be able to have work experience because we're, there's a lot uh, you know, that that um, conundrum. It's a lot of education with no experience, no experience with no education or no credentials, that kind mm-hmm. of thing.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's a great idea. And it's very exciting to hear about it and to, to hear how, you kind of want to move this employment problem in a different direction.
0: I do, yes, because it's discouraging. It really disturbs me that among the blind and vision impaired community, there's an 85% unemployment rate. And I desperately want to change that narrative to one where there's 85% employment rate amongst blind and vision-impaired individuals.
3: Well, thank you for coming on Triple Vision to talk to us about it today.
1: So our next guest on the topic of employment for blind and visually impaired people is Wayne Henshaw. So welcome to Triple Vision, Wayne. Can you introduce yourself to the listeners and tell us who you are and what it is you do in the field of employment?
4: I am what they call gently experienced in life, which means I just turned 50. Uh, so that's my title that I that I have adopted here. But I also identify as an individual with vision loss, having been born with uh, my particular vision challenge uh, and uh, lived all my life with, uh, with that vision challenge. And so uh, my role uh, most recently, after spending 20 years in the corporate world, uh, my role for the last four years has been working at the CNIB as the head of the come to work program. And and what we envisioned around come to work is really around how do we look at the, the continuum or the journey of individuals going through vision loss and then how they then go to pursue their career and objectives. And those careers could be what we call talent pool. So talent pool, those are those individuals looking to work for someone else. And then there is a venture pool. And those venture pools are those that are looking to work for themselves, starting up their own business. When we first started, uh, we started out as being an an, an Ontario pilot. And for the last two years, uh, actually, we have been national in nature. So we have taken the program to be national. So anyone across Canada, we've grown from 30 participants in our first year to we have 1,100 participants uh, as of right now. And we've grown from 10 partner organizations to 100 partner organizations across Canada, ranging from the banks right on down to a retail business store uh, or a um, or a museum or a uh, a uh, individual that's working in the microbrewing uh, side of the house so it it ranges the full gambit based on where talent are looking to work
1: so your staff is divided up between generating opportunities and
4: working with your clients we founded it on three pillars right so the three pillars are Uh, talent or venture pool cultivation. So who are the people that are out there and what are they looking to engage in? What are they looking to do? We then had the second pillar of the program, which is around partner engagement. So how do we ensure that the partners are ready and able to engage with, with the diverse talents that individuals from the vision loss community bring to the table? And how do we then as CNIB drawing upon our experiences and expertise help support those organizations, not just to get the person the job, but then retain the job and grow within the job. And then the third pillar that we are oriented around is around mentoring, because as we go forward and as we're going along this journey, so that theme that I spoke about earlier, the journey is all about how do we work towards our goals, but our goals aren't just one dimensional, right? Our goal is, Uh, This year might be to get the job, but then the, the, Hey, I've got the job, but I'd like to be a team lead, a manager, a coordinator. I'd like to go to become a a director. I'd like to become or be considered for a board of directors. So how do you grow and and support? So mentoring and coaching became part of our pillar activity. The structure that we have is we have program leads and coordinators that are working with the individual uh, as they go through that journey and get prepared for work. We have outreach coordinators that are actually a blend of working with the work ready individuals. So those individuals that have their elevator pitch, know their resume, know the industry that they're going for, are comfortable and confident with their independent travel as appropriate to the job function that they're going for. And they go out and work with those partners. And then we have people like myself who are engaging in the national partnerships. So when we look at a national partnership, someone like a CIBC, a Deloitte, a Microsoft, et cetera, that's, that's what I work.
1: What is the qualification criteria for the program? Can I come in as a, as a high school graduate or do I have to have more education or do I have to have gone through some kind of job orientation program before I come
4: to you? Entry criteria is you must self-identify as a person with vision loss. So that's per criteria number one. Second criteria is you must be of working age. So if you're between the ages of 15 to 65, uh, but you do have to be eligible to work within Canada because that's what many of our partners are looking for. And then from there, we work with you on, okay, what is it that you're looking to achieve? Because some of our participants might in the, in, in a variety of demographics, but certainly in, in the younger age demographics may be completing their educational goals. So we've set up the structure of our program to be stages, and we call it stages of, of readiness. Stage one being newer, adjusting to vision loss. So a person that may come to me saying, hey, I just need a job, but they're brand new to vision loss. We want to work with them on understanding and adjusting to the vision loss first so that they have their confidence and and their ability to go forward. And then we continue to work on the work readiness skills, the transferable skills, if they're new to vision loss in that age demographic.
1: So O&M would be part of that? O&M is
4: very much a part of that. That stage one is where we work with the vision loss rehab team, as well as other uh, vocational providers to support those individuals. Again, the Come to Work program is oriented to vision loss or the sight loss uh, side of the house. But there is intersectionality out there, right? are individuals that may be dealing with a a few challenges, right? And, And as they look at those opportunities, we collaborate with other organizations to support them.
1: You mentioned some partnerships with other industries in Canada. Can you tell us a little bit about some of those partnerships?
4: We start with, okay, Talent Pool, where are you looking to work? What are the skills? What are the interest areas that you have? What are those industries? What are the types of roles that you like to do? We don't make it all... Uh, I'll say formulaic where, okay, you must fit into this certain box. It's, it's all about an intake or a conversation that they have with those program leads and coordinators that we then map back to those partner organizations that we go out and, and, and look to engage. When we have 22 individuals across Canada working in the Apple retail stores, even through COVID, they were working through there. All of these programs
1: we have that we've seen over the years tend to be very segregated. Like, and this is sort of another example of a segregated program for blind people. Can you talk a little bit about having been in the workforce yourself, about why we always seem to be segregated rather than this kind of model of here's how you get a job, like why it wouldn't be just mainstreamed and delivered to everyone in the same
4: way? That's a great question. I think it, the the hard part is, so I'll speak to my own experience and also the experience of, of individuals that we work with. In some cases, we have been conditioned as we grow up to, based on culture and other things, to actually hide our disability. So if you can hide it, don't call attention to it, right? So I would think that's one thing. Attitudinal uh, is, a, is an element that we all have to think about. I'll speak as a professional in the IT industry, I would put my cane away because I don't want people thinking Wayne's the blind guy. We're there to work on a particular project, so let's work together. Many people often wonder, why is Wayne always sitting very close to the very front of the room, and why does he have a big monitor sitting in front of him with a a headset plugged into him? But they would also notice on the flip side, by me doing that, by me hiding the cane, right, and, and not calling attention to it, I would be walking down the corridor and I would walk right on past people because I wouldn't see them, right? Uh, and they would say, wow, that Wayne guy, he's really standoffish. He's very, kind of rude. He never says hello to anybody. And, and it was only through actually hearing one of my colleagues that knew me, that knew more about me, That he actually shared with them, well, he's blind, he can't see you. So say hello to him and then he'll say hello back, but he he can't see you. And the people didn't even realize it because again, that condition to hide, right? To hide the disability. I think that's one of our challenges that we continue to have to face and overcome as individuals, but also as employers. And that's why we're, we're looking at this Come to Work program from that lens of talent first, partner engagement, and then ongoing collaboration. It's not about, great, we got the job. See you. Uh, we'll see you when you next have an opportunity. Let's make sure that we're, we're talking about your next opportunity. What are your next growth potentials as partners? Well, are there roles that individuals from all walks of life can do, right? We just might have to do it differently. And as part of our scope and activities, we actually do do assistive tech training relevant to the vision loss. So are you a JAWS or screen reader, NVDA, Windows narrator user? Are you a Mac OS? Are you an Android or a voiceover user? Uh, we we have trainers that work with the individuals, not just those that are looking for the jobs, but those that have gotten a new job. And, and to be honest, as we went through COVID, a lot of people were, were coming in and chatting to, oh my God, I got to learn Teams. And they were going, I don't know how to do Teams. I only know how to do Zoom or something else. Right. So we were... We were teaching them how to use those tools, both as group sessions and also as one-on-one sessions to retain and grow and develop within the jobs, not just to get the job.
1: So I mean, it, it sounds really great. So can you talk a little bit about are the numbers changing though? Like that's what we want to hear.
4: Yeah, and and, and and I'm with you on that because the hard part is how do you how do you make the overall numbers change? Right, we have right. such a, a high unemployment rate. It's three times the unemployment of of the rest of Canada, and so I would say, are we making meaningful change? Two hundred and eighty. Of those 1100 individuals have gotten jobs who had not been working for six months plus in some cases had never worked ever in their activities so that is a start i i never say that we have all the answers because we have continued to need to learn and grow and develop and uh, when you look at the statistics and the numbers and how we can grow and develop further even if i got all 1100 of those that would only change the overall employment rate by less than 0.01% when you look at the overall numbers in Canada. So what we have to do is continue to reach a wider audience. So to get more talent pool in, continue to work with partners on engaging and collaborating on an ongoing manner, not just, hey, do you have a job? got the job, I'll I'll see you the next time you need a job, but ongoing collaboration with them. And then continuing to evolve the programs around the individuals that are looking to engage and the changing economics, right? So the the when I say changing economics, things like hybrid work, right? That has come into play where people are, hey, instead of going to the office three times a week and dealing with that. So my commute to the CNIB headquarter office in in, in Bayview is two hours each way, uh, multiple buses, the go train, the subway, and then another bus to get there, right? And, and so four hours of my day is not a fun experience for, for me. <laughs> But when you also balance out hybrid work now, as, as the world of work has changed, if I can work from home three or, or four days of the week and go into the office one or two days of the week to optimize that time, then that transportation is, is the evolution. And many organizations are re-looking at that structure. And that helps us address some of those other areas of challenge, like transportation.
1: So your program is partially or fully funded by the federal government?
4: Yeah, it is 60% funded by the federal government. We have two provinces, Ontario and Alberta, that are also funding us for this fiscal year. And the balance comes from individual stakeholders and organizations. Some of those partner organizations that I mentioned earlier are such funders. So people like CIBC, Scotiabank, Microsoft, Deloitte, et cetera.
1: Well, thank you for your commitment to the program. That's super. And thanks for being part of Triple Vision today.
2: This concludes our exploration of the employment for blind Canadians. And it seems that we have come a long way from the uh, sheltered workshops to more independent kind of uh, employment. But the idea Jen has is very interesting. I think, though, that it would take a lot of behind-the-scenes work to make it sustainable. And I think Wayne has expressed the same kind of idea, but the challenge is it's being been Operated by a nonprofit organization, and maybe Jen should take the idea to Manpower of Canada and institute some kind of a, a program within the government itself. What do you think? That
1: sounds just about right to me, David. Because coming from the nonprofit, there there's still a barrier between them and and the workaday world, right? In terms of attitude.
3: Yeah, I think you know, as you said, David, this is our fourth. Uh, podcast on the subject of employment and kind of summing it all up, we don't have the answers, right? And it seems like uh, I don't know who has the answers. So I was struck by Wayne's comment in in this podcast that if all 1,100 of his participants uh, who are blind and vision impaired actually got work, that would make a difference of about 0.01% in the unemployment rate uh, for for our community. So um, we've heard from Jeffrey Rome at the beginning on sheltered workshops. We heard from our panel, including you, David, and what are some of the challenges and the fact that employer attitudes continues and even attitudes of coworkers. We heard from Ross Eadie talking about the situation with the city of Winnipeg and the fact that it doesn't even seem like, you know, on that level, things are improving. So and then finally, as you said, Jen and Wayne really trying to find some innovative ways of making a difference. It's hard to say uh, what will make a difference.
1: What I'm curious about is, I mean, I've, I've been around for a while. I've I've been part of lots of different types of employment programs over the years. Some of them uh, sort of mainstream, and some of them special services like like Wayne's. And you know, something I don't Wayne's seems to be packaged up in a little differently. And I'm I'm not a cynic, but I am a skeptic. And and to me, it, it just sounds like another presentation of the same types of things reframed a little bit
2: for today's world, right? Well, Triple Vision has been a great learning experience for me. And sadly to say this, our season one will be coming to an end at our next podcast. So Hannah, what's our last podcast going to be on?
1: That's right, we are coming to the end of year number one. And our next podcast is going to be a round table with all of us, David, Charlie, myself, and Peter, talking about some of the issues that have really impacted us, a lot of the things that we've learned about different topics. And sort of we, we just want to reflect back on on the year and uh, look forward to our next year. So tune in for our year and podcast.
2: Triple Vision is made possible by the generous support of T-Base Communications and the Alliance for Equality of Blind Canadians. Triple Vision is produced in collaboration with Accessible Media Inc., AMI-audio. Jacob Szymanski is the technical producer and Andy Frank is the manager of AMI-audio. And finally, thank you for joining us on this journey. If you would like to reach out to Triple Vision with questions and comments, you can reach us at triplevision21 at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at triplevision21.